Virginia is for eaters and drinkers, all kinds of eaters and drinkers, for oyster shuckers and slurpers, winery samplers or all-day wine drinkers, brewery hoppers and distillery sippers, for those who order grits and those who order cheese grits. We all know what the right way to order is. For barbecue triers who turn into finger lickers and meat off the bone suckers. All right, all this talk of food is making me hungry. I gotta go get some mac and cheese. Like I was saying, Virginia is for all sorts of food lovers. So come love it for yourself. Freedom is a feeling, and the best way to truly feel free is behind the wheel of a Jeep SUV. Find out what true freedom feels like at Jeep Freedom Days. And now, financing at $2,500 total cash allowance on the purchase of a 2022 Jeep Grand Cherokee WK Laredo 4x4. Don't miss this great offer. Financing for well-qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Not all buyers will qualify. Residency restrictions apply. Must take retail delivery by 531.22. Jeep is a registered trademark. Good morning. Yes, it's morning here right now. It's partly cloudy in the Keys. This is Jim, the Keys bartender. Oh, I wanted to make it. If if there's downloads down here, I, I guess I'm getting a lot of uh, Key Largo and Tavernier downloads. And I just want to make a quick public service announcement. Uh, a friend of mine, Kyle... Uh, told me that there is a dolphin calf in the Key Largo area that's uh, the fins are kind of tied up with some uh, filament run, um, you know fishing line and they're hoping that uh, anybody who listens to it who was on the water and spots them would contact the FWCC that's the conservation arm of FWC and they'd send and you know, keep an keep eyes on the calf, and it's near Buttonwood Bay area. The last was seen. So, if you get that, if there's a calf, keep your eyes out for uh, a dolphin calf that has filament wrapped around the fins. On a lighter note. Eventually, we'll get to a little heavier things, heavier items. I know you get bored with it, but you know, it is what it is. We live in the world, right? We live in the world and we, we deal with uh, worldly issues. Well, last night I worked. Uh, uh, it, this week has been particularly odd because it's back to almost like regular, even though it's a height, you know, it's right after the beginning of uh, Lent. And normally the busy season runs here from Valentine's Day to Easter or sometimes even Mother's Day. But we've been running pretty much above average all year. And we can take it. People say, oh, if it ends now, then we're screwed. No, we're not. Um, We did, on previous episodes, I spoke about this. Local hotels and resorts have definitely been reaping in new uh, rewards. Uh, if food prices varied as much as the cost of hotel rooms down here, and I'm not going to lie about that. I, why, why sugarcoat it for the TDC? But they have a short-range view of what they can charge for hotel rooms. 
I mean, people make a decision sometimes. They buy the, they purchase the tickets. They decide they want to come down at Keys and they get the tickets. And the secondary thing they do is a hotel room. Because, yes, you have to figure out your transportation, how you're going to get someplace. And then you book where you're staying, whether it's Airbnb or hotel room or motel or a campground. And I guess campground prices are a little more flexible, meaning less flexible. They usually stay the price for the season. But hotel rooms can vary day to day. And a lot of times they're running over 100% of the normal cost, even more. There was a room I stayed down in Key West last uh, year. They're asking over $400 for a repaid 220 It was a nice, nice hotel. And 220 used to be a pretty high price. You get, I, and I realize prices do go up. And, you know, people's wages have gone up. And the cost of doing business has gone up. But the level of profiteering, it's, it appears, it, it just feels like profiteering. When there's a hotel room going for six, seven, eight hundred dollars a night, and it's not the Oprah Winfrey suite at the pier house. No, those really the presidential suites and all that stuff. They're got they got to be running like two thousand dollars a night or something like that. Incredible. And it's not even what would you call fantasy fest, but. Getting back to the subject, I'm working last night, moderately busy, running around happy hour, as it always is, and it starts tailing that off right at 6.30 when our happy hour ends, and we start winding down to 9 o'clock. So I had a steady stream of customers, not too many, a couple, and then I had a little rush at the end. Uh, but during the night, one of our regulars came in with a group of friends, and they had just gone to the shooting range here in Key Largo. I mean, that's an interesting thing to do. But yeah, they went to a shooting range, the ladies. And they came in with the gentleman who, who's also one of our regulars who runs the shooting range. They came in with him and uh, they were having some drinks. They were very nice, sweet. I love I love my regulars. I don't want to say her name because I didn't ask her if I could say it. But I figured he'd talk about it in reference with no name, anonymous. But she's there hanging out with her friends. And I waved to her and stuff like that. She says, hey, Jim, could you come over and say hello to my friends? Now, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, oh, I got to come over. I got to say hi. You know, I'm going to be me. Say hi. This is, I don't know what she said. We normally interact to each other humorously. She and her husband come in on a regular basis. Sweethearts, total sweethearts, great sense of humor. So I'm assuming they're the same way. So I'm just going over lighthearted. I go over real polite, uh, try to be a little charming, a little lighthearted, and, and it worked out great. But I notice when I approach tables, when I go over to say hello to people, like if it's a group of friends from AA, where, you know, they they may come in. I'll go over and say hello to them. I won't reference that I know them from AA because I don't. If I don't know everyone at the table, then I can't assume that they know that 
the other person, they, I know that person from AA. That's a weird thing when I run into people and say, how do you know that person? That person doesn't seem like something, someone you're really close to, but you seem to be close to them. Well, that's AA. And you, you meet people from all walks of life. Some from, you know, very wealthy to people that have meager existences. So if I get run into somebody and let's say they're older, when you say older, in their 70s and they're with their friends or 70s, I try to be respectful, humorous, uh, cut back on the charm a little, not like I would for the ladies. I try not, uh, the charm thing changes when I'm being introduced to younger people, so I don't. I try not to be charm. I try to be jovial. Yeah, jovial when I'm around the kids. Try to be polite, uh, respectful to the, if it's a parent, being respectful to the parent and things like that. Depending on how lighthearted they are too. But every time I approach uh, people, it seems to be slightly different. A member of my peers, I feel like I can go in with guns a-blazing. Say guns a-blazing, I can start saying all sorts of weird shit. Which, that's, I have a tendency to do. I don't do jokes. I do more situational comedy when it presents itself. So that's where it's hard for me to kind of, you know, what, you know, kind of, you know, sometimes they fall flat. Uh, most times I've been very lucky. Most times I'm very lucky. I don't know if it's polite laughter or not. But who knows? I'm going to move off this subject right now, but you, just so you know, every time I approach, sometimes uh, I never get a call from people I don't really take a hankering to. I never get called up and say, hey, you want to say hello? People, some people, the, the, uh, there's a decent amount of people that don't want me to come over to their table. And I accept that. When I was a younger person, I was a, I was more of a people pleaser. I'd be like, oh, this person doesn't like me. Why don't they like me? Blah, 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 blah. And all these things. And then I realized everyone has a different perception of you. I was talking to one of our regulars that comes in every time during a happy hour. And for a year or two, I used to go to a trivia night at the Caribbean Club, one of the local watering holes here in Key Largo, a famous watering hole. Uh, it's right on uh, the, the Florida Bay side at mile marker 104 and a half, right around there. And it, it's been around great. It's, it's a site where the hotel that you saw in Key Largo was supposedly the movie Key Largo, the Humphrey Bogart, Lauren Bacall, Claude, that wasn't Claude Rains, Lionel Barrymore, and Edward G. Robinson. Wow. I guess I still have that memory thing going. So, I went, uh, I used to go to trivia every, it was either Monday or Tuesday night. I had a great time. And I don't know if I was drinking at the time when I was doing the trivia. I know I wasn't. I wasn't drinking when I was doing the trivia. I think not. And the, we did really well, but the regulars that that come into my bar now used to belong to trivia teams, and I remember them, but they didn't remember me as much. 
And I was surprised. I go, oh, they didn't know who I was. I guess because I didn't interact with them. I'm not hanging up at the bar. I didn't run up to the bar to get anything. I just had my bottle of water, and that's it. I guess that's sex for the, uh, the bar itself. I used to tip them. I still tip when I'm not drinking because, you know, you're going to be there. You're taking up space. I figure I pay for my seat. So, but the person that came for a happy hour, this woman, a couple of years younger than me, she goes, yeah, I remember. You're the tall guy. Yes, now I remember. She knows who I am now. I was thinner then, I think. And she goes, I remember you. You're the tall guy, we'd see, and you always wore these tight shirts. And then she started, oh, you seem kind of aloof, and you were on that team. And we thought, and I said, you thought I was a douchebag. And she didn't say anything. I said, you thought I was a douchebag. Do you think, still think I'm a douchebag? She goes, you can be. Now, I realize that. I have all the trappings of the traditional douchebaggery, right? The traditional douchebagger from the Northeast, let's say Northeast part of the United States, except I don't have the orange tan. But I'm a gym rat. I work out there. I don't wear those cut-off tank tops that show, you know, your, your you know, to hang loose around your arms and stuff like that so people can see your pecs and your, and your biceps and your lats and everything, you know, just showing everything off. Uh, but I do wear tight workout clothes and I wear tight t-shirts. So I do kind of wear the uniform sometimes. And I do realize my bad attitude and my snarky comments kind of get you into it. Uh, but I, I think a traditional douchebag is more of a person that has one particular style and they pretty much, you can expect them to do the same thing over and over. Never never to really do the right thing. Always kind of socially inept, rude, uh, non-self-aware. A douchebag is non-self-aware most of the time. Or they think the qualities that they admire make them a handsome, attractive, acceptable person. And mainly douchebags are men. I know. And you get some you get some women, I guess, that way. But mainly they're men. And so you have it they, they think they're totally fine. They're probably more than acceptable. But to the rest of the people they said they're douchebags. And some people find them offensive. And it seems to be that that trend has stayed strong. So to title this episode, 590, it's the Hall of Douchebags. It's kind of like the Hall of Fame of Douchebags. And there's douchebags throughout history. They totally are. Totally are. I don't know some of the older ones, but I imagine Napoleon was a douchebag. He wasn't that short. He's like 5'8". Five nine people always portray him like he was five two. He's not. He wasn't that short. He was. He was maybe slightly below average, but he wasn't a short man. But uh, just think of all of the douchebags. So maybe the king of England at one time, George the third. Is it George the third during the American Revolution? Uh, Louis the Fourteenth or Louis the Sixteenth, depending on whatever Louis was king during the 
revolution. He was kind of douche. Oh, and Marie Antoinette was a douchey woman. Just by saying, you know, the people are hungry. They ask the Queen of, Queen of France prior to the revolution, people are hungry, what should we do? And she goes, oh, there's no bread for the people to eat. Well, let them eat cake then. Yeah, they can't afford bread, but you can well, just go and get some cake. It's like one of those people here. Oh, you should. Oh, you need to go someplace. Just get on your daddy's Learjet and go there. Blissfully unaware people and stuff like that. But we're adding to the mix now. The Hall of Fame that really started out with, I'd have to say, the Grade A prime douchebags were all found on the Jersey Shore originally in, in the, was that the 90s or the early 2000s? Early 2000s. And yet, you know, all those guys. And some of the girls, they were kind of douchey too. They were all the typical, the atypical douchebags. Right? Not jackass. Jackass were assholes and they were jackasses. Not necessarily douchebags. Douchebags are totally different. Douchebags have a horrible sense of humor. Douchebags have a horrible sense of humor. They are not, to themselves, they may be funny. And to other douchebags. But to everyone else in the world, a douchebag is not funny. And we have the nice thing about uh, douchebags is there's always a new crop coming in. And one I'd like to add, before I say anything, I'd like to congratulate the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, that his wife is cleared of breast cancer. That's great. It would be nice if you made it so much easier for the regular working people to be able to get health care so they can beat the odds too. Because I'm pretty sure... The regular working stiff doesn't have the same access to medical care that your wife did. But I am truly thankful that she's clear of it. But that being said, you, sir, have entered into the Hall of Fame of douchebaggery. And let me explain. This past week, and it's not because he was always anti-mask. It is not because he was anti-mask. I'll say that again. So take that off the table. He was at a news conference and it appeared as if there were uh, high school students or college students behind them and all of them were wearing masks. And he came and they were going to stand in the background while he was at the podium. And with the hot mic, Ron DeSantis walked up. Now you got to remember these kids are 17 at most, no, 17 to 19 they look like, if not younger. He walks up to him. And he starts castigating him for wearing a mask. He goes, listen, you don't need to wear the mask. He said, don't wear the mask. Blah, blah, blah. I don't want you standing behind me wearing a mask. And, I mean, I can't even phrase it. But if you Google this, uh, just Ron DeSantis and a bunch of students uh, at a press conference and a mask, you see how he acts like a douchebag. And people say, well, he didn't want them to wear a mask. Well, that's not up to him. It is not against the law to wear a mask, right? And he can say, he could have said, you don't need to wear a mask around here. Feel free to take it off if you like. We'd like to see your faces and stuff like that. That'd be fine. 
But he says, don't stand behind me and you, you know, don't wear a mask. This is silly. This, the optics are bad or whatever he said. You just got to see it. You'll hear it. And he said it in an annoyed tone. And there was a power asymmetry, meaning he's the governor of Florida and their students. So you have the governor of Florida kind of yelling at you to t- take off your mask. To discredit some of the students, they all of them didn't take it off. About half of them, and they were smiling. I credit the ones that kept it on and say, "Listen, oh, you know, they may they the the thing is, if he had said, hey, listen, I'm not really big on the mask. I appreciate it. he could have said it nice and walked up to him and said, listen, I appreciate you doing it, but you know I'm safe and all that stuff. You can take your mask off if if you're really concerned." Stand it aside, get out of the picture, and stuff like that. If you know, and which I understand, if some people, some people have that. It's like walking down the steps. Some people can walk down the steps holding the rail. Some people can go down the middle of the stairway. Some people need a little safety. And he started explaining himself. He says, "Well, this is uh, whatever." Afterwards, and people are saying his. Surgeon General said, uh, tried to explain it away too. But he looked like a douchebag doing that. So you entered into the American chapter of Douchebag Hall of Fame. I hope you don't get into the international chapter because that would mean you'd have to be elected president to be in the international chapter. And the new one and the reigning king, I think, for douchebags would be Vladimir Putin. The former KGB officer who became under Boris Yeltsin uh, prime minister. And then when Boris Yeltsin stepped down, Vladimir Putin became president. With a brief intermission when Medved, I think that's his name, held his place as president when it was constitutionally, he was ineligible to serve as president. Now the rules are changed so he can stay president for however long. So he is such a douchebag no matter what. And, you know, people that listen, if you listen to Russian propaganda on the news and all that stuff, obviously they're not talking about the attack at the nuclear power, the largest nuclear nuclear uh, power plant in Europe, I mean, they already had Chernobyl in the north northern part of Ukraine. But the largest uh, nuclear power plant is in the south, where Russians have been making the greatest uh, advances. And he, uh, or his troops, started a firefight lobbing shells at a nuclear power plant. What kind of if 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 he ordered that, he's an asshole, douchebag, dickhead, idiot. If he didn't do it, it's because he's a douchebag. Because people say, well, he doesn't mind stuff like that. He's not. He didn't stop it. He didn't do anything. And right now, the Russians control a power plant that isn't currently leaking any radiation. But you think with having the reminder in the same country of nuclear power going bad, to, to, supposedly by what 
nuclear experts say, the type of reactor that they seized and the building they damaged with shelling and gunfire caught fire was a training facility at the nuclear plant and none of the reactors were affected. But that's mighty damn close to do that. Now, at this time, the Russians control that nuclear power plant, or at least control the gates of it. So they're going to have the the people that are running the nuclear plants are going to, or running the nuclear plant, are going to be under Russian uh, supervision. So there'll probably be something at gunpoint. It takes a while to shut down a nuclear plant. It takes a week or so because those rods stay hot. And things like that. You can't just shut it down. If you watch the movie Chernobyl, you'll understand why you can't just shut that down. And it's all the other things. It's the indiscriminate shelling. It's the closing down of independent journalism in Russia. It's his failure to make his uh, request sincere prior to the invasion. And his, you know, he was totally, they said, you know, that's, that we're, that we're not invading. These are not precursors of movement. But everything that has happened subsequently is proof that he was. That was his plan after a long time. After a long time of building up, his plan was to invade and say that was silly. And he may be under the blissful understanding that he isn't a douchebag, that he could be a great man. And the fallacy in that event will not be revealed to him because the only people around him, I imagine, his security team, his advisors, are beholden to him. And they all know when you make an enemy of Putin what can happen, you can end up dead. It's amazing to me that he's not seen, well, I think in the West now, he's probably 80% douchebag to 20% not a douchebag. And what is even more more dangerous than a regular douchebag? A mentally ill douchebag. Where he's non-mentis compass. Not mentally competent. And by... The planning of this siege and the destruction, the end of the disruption of Ukraine, it's like the benefit of whatever can happen now, the benefits to Russia are like sorely. if, If you do something that puts your country at risk, you have to have a end game thinking, well, in the end, we're going to see our big goal would be, let's say, seizure of all Ukraine and reincorporation into the Russian Federation. A, a movement of the Ukraine from the real the real negotiating point, the bullshit about denazification. I mean, they're the ones that are attacking uh, Ukraine and indiscriminately attacking civilian buildings and and infrastructure added to on top of it, which is legitimate military. Even if it's they invaded, 
a legitimate target during the invasion is the military. But they're going after the other one. So it's almost wanting destruction in the same. If we can't win it outright, military to military, we're going to trust ex- exact the hardship on the people. So that shows a callousness that is unbridled. When you think, well, you know, these people are not going to like me. And there's a certain amount of Russians that are going to like them too. They're the oligarchs that they're 50 uh, number, the closest oligarchs in Russia to Putin, the billionaires, they've been sanctioned. They'll be feeling that for a while. Now, whether they go against Putin or not, because they're almost entirely beholden to Putin. He once jailed one of their oil oligarchs because they, he, they split with him. So he could say something like, yeah, you may have lost half your fortune. Do you want to lose the rest of it? Okay, so that may help. But the middle class that are going to be hurt by the sanction, and pretty much people were saying, ah, oh, they wanted to do targeted sanctions so they don't affect the people in Russia. Well, how are you going to get their attention? Right now, Russians are looking at Russian state television, listening to Russian, uh, I mean, well, Putin, approved news news sources. Now, if you're a, uh, a member of the free press, they have rules there where you can be sent to jail for years for reporting anything negative about the military. The U.S. always had that. You, you could go and you can go and say whatever you want. We see it here. People don't go to jail for reporting. They do get to jail sometimes for hiding sources. If the information was feloniously gathered or was, you could get in trouble for slander also. But the slander laws and the libel laws are, are very, uh, very detailed and particular in the United States. And it's harder to be used against journalists. So we have, yeah, people talk about and say, listen, they don't let the RTNs, like we we banned Russian propaganda from the U.S. Now, we didn't ban the available radio stations that were free, the free Russia radio station, meaning that... Um, ones that are more open and same as the stations, but they've been taken off the air too. You know, they, they're, you know, they are under the threat of arrest and worse over in Russia. But over here, if we, I mean, we had Al Jazeera, we have Al Jazeera. China, can, we can watch a news channel on China. Uh, the, I don't know how well they are at restricting YouTube and news and, and things shared by you know social media. So there, there's going to be a lot. But right now, it seems like the average Russian is getting their information from the state media. But eventually they'll start saying, well, why is it this bad? Why is our economy running? If this is, they, they don't even call it a military invasion. They call it a special military incursion. So, let me welcome, though, let me welcome Putin to the Hall of Fame douchebags. That includes Stalin, 
Mussolini, Hitler, even Napoleon. People say Napoleon. Well, Napoleon, he may have done some good things, but he also caused wanton destruction across Europe. And especially in Moscow, which should kind of bring it home and say, listen, when someone's a successful military man, they could still be a douchebag. But if they win and they don't end up being uh, defeated, they can at least go in as a military genius. Because I have a feeling that George Patton was a big douchebag. And people, you know, just the way he walked around with his silver helmet, his ivory handled handgun at his waist, and his uh, riding pants, his own specially designed uniform. You you have a, a uniform specially designed for you. You are a douchebag. You know, instead of wearing some Bradley, Car uh, Bradley, Omar Bradley, who was the senior officer to Patton, he used to wear regular uh, infantryman's clothes. And a lot of times people didn't even know he was the general We came walking around during World War II. So I mentioned Napoleon, Patton. Do we have any other douchebags? Like if Ted Teddy Roosevelt wasn't so successful at trust busting and... You know, managing his reputation on that. He has he has some of the trappings of a douchebag. Right? I know I said it about Teddy Roosevelt, but I'm not saying he was. He was successful. If he wasn't successful, he could have ended up being that way. But I'm sure there's going to be a lot of politicians and leaders uh, around nowadays that will be labeled either a hero or a douchebag. And as history uh, declares the victory, the victors get the right to history and they declare the victory and they focus on the people. The losers are much more harshly judged. And right now, no matter what happens, everyone could end up being a loser if Putin makes the wrong move. That's certain. But if he's making the wrong moves now... But if he makes a big wrong move, then everyone could be a loser. Now, if he survives and Russia survives and all this stuff, they will be more in any in a more deficit position than they were prior. Maybe not so much as Ukraine, but who knows? Ukraine could end up being seen as the hero of free democracies. And they could be getting aid packages and things like that. So when they rebuild the city, all you're doing is like a... It's horrible because civilians are dying. I'm acknowledging that they're suffering. There's lots of food, fuel, infrastructure. Uh, now there's electricity. I'm sure there's going to be sanitation and water and all those things. It's going to be a lot of suffering ahead for the Ukrainians. That being said, when it's over, there will be a lot of aid available to the Ukraine. And it, in the end they'll end up stronger than they were prior. And yeah, it could take a while. It could take a while. But they're going to have a favored position in many of the halls of government around the world. They'll have a favored reputation. And they may have a fast track 
to the one thing, the bugaboo of Vladimir Putin would be NATO, a NATO member. And the one NATO member, there'll be the one NATO member that fought Russia head to toe, head to head, I should say, head to toe, toe to head, considering how, how much equipment the Russians have. What they don't have is an inspired, inspired leadership and motivated troops. Maybe some of their troops are motivated, but their conscripted forces, they're going to, I see them as dwindling and, and the, the, the uh, logistics uh, issues for uh, the Russians will just keep on getting more dire as time goes on. That's all I have for you today. I'd like to thank you for listening. To all you potential douchebags out there, change your ways. And like I said, I said, I may have some of the trappings of that. I am self, somewhat self-aware and I have act douchey at times. I'd like to uh, thank all my friends for listening. Uh, and good luck to my friends that are up at Daytona Bike Week. You know, Daytona Bike Week. That's, I guess, imagine that starting next week. And motorcycles, oh, that's kind of the thing. Motorcycles, sometimes people that come in on motorcycles, either it can be really cool or really douchey. Which one are you? Thank you very much and have a great day. Bye. Hi, how can I help you today? As a McDonald's employee, you say those words quite often. But how about when you need help, like consulting a doctor? Hi, how can I help you today? When you work for a McDonald's restaurant, we take care of you like family. With free virtual doctor's visits, including getting prescriptions and refills for you and everyone in your family. Apply today at careers.mcdonalds.com and find out more. The benefits described herein are only available at participating restaurants.